Welcome to Wild Quincy, a podcast that looks into the little-known and forgotten past of Quincy, Illinois. You're sitting in your chair enjoying TV when you feel a little bump. Huh, wonder what that was, you say. Then, all of a sudden, the whole house starts shaking. It's an earthquake. You might say that we're in California, but instead it has happened and will happen again right here in the Gym City. We're talking earthquakes in Quincy. That coming up next. Now, here's your host, Chris Ketters and Travis Hoffman. Well, Travis, we go from talking about a saint to talking about earthquakes. Welcome to Wild Quincy. <laughs> Thanks. I'm glad to be here again. How are you, Chris? <laughs> doing good. How you doing, man? Doing well. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, we're uh, going to have a good episode here talking about some natural disaster stuff that coming your way in a little bit. But as always, we got to take care of the laundry. We got to feed the dogs, uh, pay the bills, do the math homework and all that. So let's uh, take care of all that and also welcome some new Patreon members. That's right. We are more than happy to welcome Allison Kling to the wild, wonderful world of Patreon wild things. Allison joined us at the $5 medium Jeff special level. Welcome, Allison. Uh, yeah, you can do the same. You'll hear about that in a minute. Back to you, Chris. <laughs> Sorry, I, I thought it. I had more there. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Thanks to the thanks to Allison and everybody else. So we we've had some in depth discussions of you. Uh, if you're not a Patreon member, last episode we went from talking about uh, Father Tolton to talking about Bigfoot once again to talking about JFK and Oswald and conspiracy theories. So it is a kitten caboodle of fun over on the Patreon side. Why pay for one thing when you can have the smorgasbord? That's uh, you that's what you're going to get. There you go. So we'll have a preview of that coming up. Uh, what you could expect uh, coming up just in a few minutes. But Travis, uh, before uh, we have such a big episode, we got to get to it. But there's always something we have to do. And that's the question of the day. Are you ready? I think you got it right last. No, you got it I'm wrong. I got it wrong. That's yeah, right. I'm try- here to try to redeem myself, Chris. I think I think I think you got a good chance on this one, buddy. So uh, let let's take a look at it. The question of the day is this: Greenmount Cemetery has not always been known by that name. What was the original name? I'm going to give you some choices. All right, is okay. it Green Green Mound Cemetery, Kemp Cemetery, Memorial Park, or Powell Cemetery? So let me give you to you one more time. Greenmount Cemetery has not always been known by that name. What was the original name? Is it Green Mound Cemetery, Kemp Cemetery, Memorial Park, or Powell Cemetery? I thought you would know this, but you gave me a look, Travis. No, I, I don't know that, to be honest with you. So it'll be a, a stab in the dark. We'll see how I do. All right. Well, we'll have the answer to that coming up for you at the end of this episode. But Travis, the ground feels like it's a rumbling. We're going to talk about earthquakes. Let's do it. Coming up next. Here on Wild Quincy. Here's what you missed on the latest After Hours episode of Wild Quincy. There's a book that's called The Plot to Kill King, and it's by uh, Dr. William Pepper. Dr. Pepper was actually... Dr. Pepper was the... That's an unfortunate um, name. Yeah. yeah. He was the actual uh, lawyer for the guy who supposedly killed him. I heard that they cloned him. And made him 40 pounds lighter. James Earl Ray or Martin Luther King? No, Dr. Pepper. Oh. (laughs) And they called him Diet Dr. Pepper, but most people couldn't tell the difference between him and the real Dr. Pepper. Our After Hours episodes are available exclusively for Patreon members by going to patreon.com slash wildquincy. 
For just a couple dollars a month, not only will you double the amount of Wild Quincy episodes at your fingertips, but you'll also be supporting our efforts as we continue to dive into the wild and crazy history of our favorite town. Also, as a Patreon member, you can take part in our live events and Patreon-only outings, as well as having access to our regular episodes two days before they are released to the public. It's easy. Just head to patreon.com slash wildquincy. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash wildquincy and become a wild thing today. Travis, time to dig into earthquakes, shaking, tremors. Yeah, sounds good, right? I like it. What's what's happening? What what's going on below our feet, Chris? Well, a lot. So again, we've done you know me. I like doing the natural disaster stuff. I like uh, digging into some of the the natural disasters that happen in the the area. And and you think earthquakes, you think ah, California and things like that. But uh, hey, we got our own earthquakes going on here in the central United States. And we're going to talk about some of the big ones here in a little bit. But Travis, are you ready to jump in and talk about the basics and just a quick overview of what the heck a earthquake actually is i'm ready and willing what do you got for me okay so obviously earthquake shaking caused by movement of the earth's outermost layer i am going to go out front by saying that i am not a geologist i have friends who are geologists but uh, i am not one so again like we always say on our our patreon episodes we're a lover but we're not what <laughs> experts experts but See? we're definitely lovers. I mean, we're not lovers. That'd be weird. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. That's Chris, right. Chris, save me. I've gone down a horrible tunnel here. I know, right? Uh, that's all right. So, yeah. So, uh, again, uh, you know, we're going to give you as much detail as we can. But uh, the specifics and scientific stuff, we, we're going to try being as good as we can on it. But, you know, we, we're, nobody's perfect. So, uh, it, a couple of things here before we get into it. There's two things that uh, we're going to go through. A couple of things we're going to go through. We're going to go through uh, the history of earthquakes here in the Quincy area. We're going to go through uh, some of the bigger known earthquakes in the world. Uh, but before we get to all that, we got to give you some basics. And one of those is going to be talking about some of the different uh, things they use to actually measure earthquakes. Okay, So we have two different things. We have the Richter scale. Uh, which is just the magnitude of an earthquake. Okay. Uh, it's measured between 1 to 10, okay? So I'm going to go through just a few of these so you understand what what they are. Uh, one, you really can't feel. Two, small quake, you might be able to feel. Three, uh, usually you have to be on top of where the epicenter is for you to feel it. When you get up to four through six, you start actually seeing damage uh, towards the epicenter and then actually a little bit farther out. Once you get past six, it gets a little bit more crazy. So seven creates energy uh, enough energy to heat New York City for one full year. Dang. And Friction, also, baby. That's right. It is also, once you get to a, a magnitude seven, it's detectable around the world. Okay? okay. So anywhere it happens, everybody around the world can detect it. Now we're getting to the crazy ones. Uh, a magnitude eight earthquake is a major destruction earthquake. Bridges will collapse. A uh, few structures are actually left standing in the epicenter. A nine, this is getting crazy rare. Okay, Only five of nine or better magnitude earthquakes have ever happened. And Only five? You five. Ever really? Five in recorded history have been bigger than nine. Okay, and We're actually going to talk about those coming up in a second. Uh, it's near total destruction, though, so not good. Okay, And, of course, I said it goes up to 10, right? Yeah. Technically, it doesn't. 
they say one through ten, but according to the United States Geological Survey, they say that earthquakes of magnitude of ten or larger cannot happen. That's because the magnitude of an earthquake is relative to the length of its fault. Uh, so the longer the fault, the larger the earthquake. So it would take a magnitude uh, uh, a magnitude twelve earthquake would require a fault larger than the Earth itself. If that tells oh. you what we're looking for. So okay. 10 is just like kind of an obligatory bookmark they put to yeah. kind of show the theoretical limit. Top. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, okay. but, but realistically, according to USGS, not even possible. So that's a look at the magnitude. You would think that's it, right? That that should cover all of our bases, right? Uh, well, you know, given our last couple of years, I'm hoping the earth didn't just say, hold my beer. <laughs> but, but yeah, I'm with you. What do we got? Well, so not only do we have the uh, magnitude of how strong the earthquake is, but they also have this thing called intensity. Okay, An intensity scale is a different sort of measurement. It actually measures what happens on the ground more specifically. So like, uh, you know, we have for... Uh, tornadoes, what they call EF scales, okay, enhanced Fujita scales. They measure, they don't measure the wind speed, okay? They actually measure the damage, right? I believe, I believe that's a fajita scale per our last episode. <laughs> well, yes, a fajita yeah. scale. Go on. Go, go uh, listen to the tornado episode if you yeah. want an inside joke. Go on, That's Chris. a throwback right there. I want to be a part of an inside joke someday. Uh, but no, so there's an intensity scale, and uh, this just measures what the actual earthquake does on the ground, okay? So we'll give you kind of a rundown of some of them real quick, uh, jump through here. Uh, one, again, not really felt, doesn't really do anything. A three, uh, you're going to feel if you're indoors, uh, cars may rock slightly, okay? Uh, a five will be felt by everyone, dishes and windows break. Also, get this, pendulum clocks will stop with an intensity level of five, okay? Really? Uh, a seven is considered damaged, uh, will have considerable damage to poorly built homes, uh, be slight damage to well-built ones. You get up to an eight, it's uh, considerable damage to just normal houses. You even have furniture that possibly will overturn in an eight. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Uh, nine, all buildings will have considerable damage. Uh, buildings will shift off their foundations with an intensity of mm. nine. Mm. Uh, now you get into the crazy ones. Ten, most all buildings are de- destroyed. Train rails are bent with a 10. Oh, snap. Okay. And then finally, the highest one is a 12. It's total total destruction. Large rock masses will be displaced. Lines of sight will be uh, distorted, and the levels will actually be distorted as well. And get this, Travis. Objects with a 12 intensity will get thrown into the air. Wow. Yeah. So that's that's your intensity scale. So what what do you think? We we got all of our bases covered so far. No, that was just a good visualization. It really kind of put uh, put that in my brain of what that all means. So let's switch switch over and go from knowing what the scale is to let's take in the earthquakes of interest. We're going to talk about the world's largest earthquakes for just a minute. Okay, the largest one happened in 1960. It was a 9.5 earthquake that happened Holy in Chile. Cow, that's up there, right? That's exactly. the biggest. It the, is the, the biggest. biggest. Yes. There you go. That's why you Killed, started with it, I guess. That's yeah. right. Killed approximately 1,600 people. Uh, there was a massive tsunami that occurred, killing 61 people in Hawaii, 132 in Japan, and even 32 in the Philippines. Uh, remember, we were talking about the 10.0 magnitude. Uh, this was the closest. Uh, the fault line was almost 1,000 miles long. But wow. still, it was only a 9.5 earthquake. Okay, mm. So that was your biggest one. The second largest one was actually a tie. 
Uh, we have two. The first one being a magnitude 9.2 earthquake that occurred in Alaska in 1964. It's also known as the Good Friday earthquake. It's the most powerful ever in U.S. history. 9.2, you said, right? 9.2, right. Okay. Lasted four and a half minutes. Oh, man, that's an eternity. It is, man. A lot of shaking for a long time. And there was 131 deaths that were reported. I wow. said it's a tie. And the second one actually happened in our lifetime, Travis. Back in, remember, 2004, Indonesia? Yes. Uh, yes. That was also considered a 9.2. However, scientists still debating on actual strength. They may say it's actually closer to a 9.3, which would give it the sole possession of the second largest quake in history. Um, this one, of course, was uh, created the deadliest tsunami and one of the deadliest natural disasters of all humanity and humankind. Um, a record killing of two, here's our exact number, 227,898 people died as a result Gosh. of that earthquake. That was horrible. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Uh, it's possible. The last one, just to give you a little heads up, the last one could have possibly been the 2011 Japan earthquake that also caused the big tsunami over there. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we don't have, I don't have the official on that, but it's up towards that higher, that around that nine range. So it's most likely that that fourth place is going to be that Japan earthquake back in 2011, which also resulted in another crazy tsunami. Sure. So, so obviously those are our big boys, right? Those are the ones that, uh, for the time being, are the record holders. Okay. Uh, now I didn't really get into detail about this, but obviously we have to talk about Quincy, right? Because yeah, well, yeah, exactly. What's this got to do with Quincy? This is all interesting, but let's bring it home here. <laughs> yeah, it's called Wild Quincy, right? We got to talk about Quincy. So let's talk about the earthquakes that happened in Quincy, okay? We're going to start out kind of like what we did with the fires episode from, what was that, season two? Uh, uh, something like that. Yeah, where we talk about the honorable mentions, and then we're going to get into an actual top five list of the five. And I couldn't do it by rank of like intensity or magnitude or something like that. So instead, I just did a top five list of the most interesting earthquakes to ever affect Quincy. Okay. Okay. Uh, so let's talk about the honorable mentions first. Just a couple. Uh, 1905, 1917, there was one in St. Uh, and when I mentioned the names of it, it's all about where the epicenter was, okay? Okay, uh, gotcha. So, so it kind of give you a reference. And usually when they name an earthquake, it's named for what town the epicenter was in, okay? So, so in 1905 and 1917, there was an earthquake in St. Genevieve, Missouri. It was a 4.6 in 05 and a 5.2 in 1917. Uh, both times the earthquake was centered between Cairo, Illinois, and St. Genevieve, Missouri. Uh, so there's reports back in 1905 about that, uh, that in St. Genevieve alone, people were unable to walk while the earthquake was happening because it was so bad they couldn't walk. And that was, a, uh, you said, in the range of 4 or 6 or 4.6? 4.6, 4. yes, okay. yeah. Uh, for Quincy, um, again, uh, the epi- uh, remember we talked about intensity. Intensity letter level for the epicenter was around 6 in 1905, 7 in 1917. So again, if we look back at our list, a 7 is one of those things where damage to buildings and stuff like that and shifting of foundations. So they saw some of that in St. Genevieve. For Quincy, newspaper reports say that there were four shakes that occurred with this earthquake. Okay. Four shakes, uh, okay. Yeah, four different shakes occurred in the uh, 1905, or sorry, 1917 earthquake. Uh, hundreds were awakened and dishes rattled, according to a newspaper what, report. Uh, what time do you have? A, what time was this roughly? Uh, that one I do not have. Okay. It would have been, I believe, this one was later in the evening, probably around maybe early morning, like four or five in the morning, if I remember. Oh, okay, right. gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. so uh, it would have been around five or six. I do remember this now because when I was researching, I was like, why were they walking around so early? It's like, oh, I guess if they were up at mm. five or six, they would. Yeah. Be up you know yeah but it was lighting up people were still asleep 
that was the 1917 uh, quake. So there's one for you. Two more real quick. Central Illinois in 1857. It was another 4.5. Uh, the epicenter was between Centralia, Illinois, and St. Louis, Missouri. Remember, we were talking about furniture turning and moving. Well, yeah. in St. Louis, uh, m- furniture was turned over in houses. There was also dislocated bricks and felled plaster from this earthquake. Um, wow. It was actually felt all the way up to Keokuk, Iowa. There was reports up there. Uh, the intensity in St. Louis and Centralia was a seven. Quincy was another four. There was reports of the houses shaking, windows rattling, and people waking up once again. This was another 5 a.m. earthquake. Something about that. Um, yeah, I'm sure there's nothing nothing about that. But Rise and shine, people. That's right. Wow. That's definitely get you up. Uh, and then the final one, honorable mention, before we get into our list, is what they called the Mount Vernon, Illinois earthquake of 1891. This was a 4.9 magnitude earthquake. The reason I bring this up, uh, well, uh, it was felt here. It wasn't really felt in Quincy. The intensity scale was only a 1. Weirdly enough, though, in Dubuque, Iowa, which is five hours north of Quincy, it was a four intensity scale. So I'm not sure how that happened. That's um, that strange, yeah. Yeah, because Mount Vernon is southeast of Quincy. Uh, but the reason I put this on the list was because uh, my current hometown of Louisiana, Missouri, was mentioned in this. And that's that in Louisiana, during the earthquake, I told you this earlier, pendulum clocks stopped in town because of the earthquake that's got to be such a bizarre experience such a visual indicator like that right yeah yeah so that was just uh, some of the the honorable mentions but now it's time to get into the fun ones let's talk about the five most interesting earthquakes that affected quincy uh we're gonna start with the 1909 one okay and this was Aurora, the Aurora, Illinois earthquake. So some quick facts. Uh, this happened May 26, 1909. It was a 5.0 earthquake. Aurora, Illinois. Do you know where Aurora, Illinois is, Travis? Yeah, I believe it's a suburb of Chicago. Exactly. Does that seem weird to you? Uh, well, I only know that because a Wayne's World took place in Aurora, <laughs> Illinois. Aurora Public Television. Not just a city, but a state of mind. <laughs> no, go on. So, yeah, uh, this is weird because if, uh, you know, most most of these earthquakes are happening towards the New Madrid Fault, right? This earthquake was situated in a suburb of Chicago. So uh, there's some uh, different reports where Aurora and Davenport, Iowa, said that many broken chimneys and uh, broken windows and chimneys were destroyed. Uh, there was also a newspaper article in the Quincy Daily Journal that said motion was from north to south and it lasted a half of a minute. So... That's weird. Motion was north to south. Really? Oh, so I guess it means north it would be shaky, south. like north to south. Okay. Yeah, that's... Boy, that must have been tough to... For in, I guess in 30 seconds, you could kind of yeah, suss get it a out, feel. I guess. Yeah. It's better uh, than four and a half minutes. Uh, but yeah, like up in Alaska. But uh, so yeah, this uh, the intensity up in Aurora was about a seven on the intensity level scale. Uh, what makes this interesting, like I said, is it was a suburb of Chicago that was the epicenter. This earthquake was felt over a 500,000 square mile area, included states of Illinois, Iowa, and Wisconsin. In Chicago, tall buildings were swaying so bad that they were afraid they were going to collapse Good when Lord. the earthquake happened. Also, there was possibly one death from this earthquake. Quincy locally. Let's talk about this earthquake for Quincy. Yeah. Uh, it was said it was felt everywhere around about, but not in Quincy itself. So all the towns said they felt it, but people in Quincy said they didn't feel it. Uh, The first article that came out actually started with saying, did anyone in Quincy feel the earthquake yesterday morning around 8.30? Question mark. (laughs) Yeah. Eventually reports did come in uh, that there was some rattly dishes and windows. It was actually rated an intensity scale of three in Quincy. 
I did hmm, want to add three. this little, this one little piece of funny thing I found while I was doing my research. Uh, I thought it was weird that you know you do a search for earthquake in a newspaper and it comes up on the sports page. So I'm like, okay, I got to dig into this. <laughs> so evidently, the gyms were playing the Hannibal baseball team the day after this happened. And let me read you this newspaper uh, little blurb that was in there about uh, the gyms blaming the earthquake for a loss of uh, for a loss of Hannibal to Hannibal. <laughs> says here, Quincy blamed the unsquare diamond at Hannibal for its defeat here. The earthquake was probably responsible for its undoing at Burlington yesterday. The diamond must be square and the earth perfectly still when Quincy plays. <laughs> <laughs> this was coming from the Hannibal Journal. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I don't know if I buy it. If I buy stock in that, but yeah. uh, it was. I love. I love early 1900s newspapers. It's so they they put some funny stuff in there. They always like to throw a little zinger in the end of a like authentic article, and they'll be like, yeah. And yeah. here's a bad joke. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Patreon, I I actually printed them out because I wanted to make sure we covered them. There was a couple newspaper articles that just started out so funny that I'm like, oh, I got to save these. Uh, so we'll talk about that coming up on Patreon. Uh, so that's that's a look at the number five. That was the 1909 Aurora one. Now we're going to switch to a more recent one, Travis. This is the 1968 Illinois earthquake. All right. Uh, this happened November 9th, 1968, around 11 a.m. It struck in southern Illinois. The epicenter was along the Illinois-Indiana border. Uh, intensity was a seven, and again, around 580,000 square miles covering 23 states uh, were affected or felt it. Uh, the greatest intensity area was in Ohio Valley, South Central Illinois, and the Wabash Valley. Uh, interesting reason I chose this on the list is because uh, this event would be marked as the largest recorded earthquake in the state of Illinois at a magnitude of 5.4. So okay. it's the largest one ever to be recorded in Illinois. What was the one in Chicago, roughly? Uh, it was a uh, 5.0. Oh, okay, so it was yep. just a little bit more. Okay, Just a little bit more, 5.4. Uh, damage was confined to about Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, Tennessee, and maybe some parts of Iowa. Uh, only one house took major damage with cracked interior walls. There were many windows broken close to the epicenter. This is crazy, Travis. The gateway arch oscillated during this earthquake. So it Ooh. actually shaked back and forth. Okay. Uh, mentioned uh, mentioned that there was some central uh, South Central Iowa damage. It was uh, actually a the town of Lynn or Linville or Lineville, Iowa. Uh, it's about eighty miles south of Des Moines. They had their water tower damaged because of the earthquake. It was leaking around three hundred gallons of water an hour after the earthquake Oof, occurred. That sounds like a bit of a, a bit of a drip. A little bit of a drip. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no deaths reported. Luckily, there was, however, one injury when a child was knocked unconscious by falling debris in a house. Okay, so that's kind of. A, a roundabout look at the area for Quincy in particular, though. Uh, the funny thing: the next day in the newspaper, November tenth, the Quincy Herald Whig reported two dozen shattered jars of pickles and olives were apparently the only damage that resulted in the area from this Earth's tremor Saturday morning at eleven o four a.m. I I think I heard a number. Or do you know how many jars that was? Two two dozen jars. Oh, so all of them. <laughs> Oh, there's the dad joke. Oh, good stuff. Uh, the jars were on the shelves at the IGA grocery store in Edina. Uh, in the Quincy area, the same article also reported that three inches of water was jolted from a gallon and a half fish aquarium. That's a big deal, Chris. That's a big deal. <laughs> well, obviously, people were in a pickle. What else happened? <laughs> we're still at it, huh? 
<laughs> That's good. Keep uh, it kosher. Keep it kosher. Yeah. <laughs> Got any more of this? Keep going. Got we'll more? see. We'll see. We'll see. I might have one in the chamber. You never know. Uh, now that I've derailed you, let's get back on track uh, here. No, no, Come on, Chris. Good. Be professional here. Let's go. <laughs> that was good. Uh, every town in Quincy area reported the swaying feeling. This is crazy. Uh, many people reported feeling nauseated during and after the earthquake because of the shaking. They felt nauseous. Mm. So there you go. So that is the 1960 Illinois earthquake. All right. Uh, we have uh, only three left here. The this one, uh, this was the one we actually prefaced, I believe, on the last episode, and it yeah. was the one that I thought I was going to do the whole episode on, but then I learned so much more about other earthquakes, I decided to do all of them. Mm. So, this is the number three on the list earthquake, and it's the 1895 Halloween earthquake. Mm, it and was this, it was all tricks and no treats. I <laughs> that's right. It happened in Charleston, Missouri. Uh, it happened early in the morning, actually, of October 31st. It was estimated, get this, 5.8 to 6.6 magnitude earthquake. So, uh, wow, that, that was, boy, that was right across the river from Illinois. Yeah. yeah uh, well, it, tra- it was actually Charleston, Illinois that it happened. Or, sorry, Charleston, Missouri. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, uh It was around the, uh, you know, it was around, like, down there in the south of New Madrid area, again, that it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, that's uh, kind of a, a look at that one. It was felt over 23 states. Uh, most scientists agree that it was at least over a six-point magnitude earthquake that it happened. Okay. Uh, this was the largest event on the New Madrid uh, event, or new, largest event to happen in New Madrid since the uh, one that we'll talk about next. And uh, this one's interesting because uh, the earthquake was the most severe and strongest that Quincy has ever experienced since it was founded. Okay. okay. Big big guy. Yeah. yeah. Scientists calculate that moderate, moderately strong earthquakes such as this one occur in the central U.S. every 70 to 90 years. Uh, so let's do some quick math. This happened in 1895. Mm. We haven't had one like this since. They're saying 70 to 90 years. <laughs> so I'm guessing that kind of puts us right about here. Huh? <laughs> uh, that actually puts us about 20 years overdue. Oh, <laughs> so, even better. Even yeah. better. The train's <laughs> late to the station. That's okay. right. Uh, damage for this earthquake that happened back in 1895, uh, substantial damage occurred in Missouri, Illinois, Ohio, Alabama, even in Kentucky and Indiana. The earthquake quake damaged every building in the commercial area of Charleston, uh, Cairo, Illinois, and even Memphis, Tennessee got some damage out of this. Charleston, uh, this is crazy. Near Charleston itself, four acres of ground sank and a lake was formed. It was felt, yeah, yeah. Uh, It was so bad in Charleston that they had this thing. I'll just read this: soil liquefaction and sand volcanoes were observed in the Charleston area during the earthquake. Yeah, I heard the rolls at Lambert's there uh, were throwing themselves. (laughs) So, yeah, soil liquefaction. That means the ground turned into liquid. That's insane. Yeah, I think I've been to Charleston and I I joke about Lambert's Cafe, but definitely go if you have a chance. But, yeah, I mean, I was probably real close to the epicenter of that, come to think of it. I was real close to the river. Yeah. That's uh, that's wild. Soil, what'd you call it? Soil what? Liquefaction. And there was also sand volcanoes which what? means the sand was blowing up out of the air and making like coming out of the air like a volcano 
Jeezy peasy. Okay. Right. Uh, there were two deaths. There were seven entries reported with this earthquake. So that was kind of the damage area. Let's talk about Quincy. In uh, November 7th article for the Quincy Weekly Wig, it said that it was the most violent shock that Quincy had ever experienced. Buildings trembled. Clocks were stopped. Dishes were knocked off pantry shelves. And a few walls were even cracked. Wow, that's that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, and overall, there was four or five shocks that uh, shocks that happened, probably aftershocks from the main one. So, uh, yeah, so this was probably most likely the most intense earthquake that ever happened in Quincy that was actually felt. Okay. Okay. So that was the 1895 Halloween earthquake. Now we're down to our last two, Travis. All right. What do we got? All right. So we're first going to talk about the 1811. New Madrid earthquake. Have you heard about this one? Only from you and only in reference. So I don't know much about it. What do we got? This is the big boy. There is some crazy stats on this. So we'll dig into it. It happened between December of 1811 and February of 1812. Uh, There was a total of three, maybe even four earthquakes altogether. It was a series between that time span. Okay. The first was on December 16th of 1811. Happened 2.15 in the morning. Was between, get this, seven. 7.2 and 8.2 magnitude. Wow. Yeah, we're getting up there now. Level 8 shaking intensity was believed to occur in what would be the future location of Memphis, Tennessee, and a level 7 intensity reached outwards of 230,000 square miles. Good okay. lord. Uh, we will have a picture on our website about this. They actually have some pictures and graphics of showing where the intensity levels were for the whole state of Missouri, I believe, uh, for this one. Um, it's called a, a sage. It, it's actually a standing wave propagated up the Mississippi River. So this was that event where you've heard of where the Mississippi River flowed backwards. Okay. Wow. Uh, it actually did it for a couple days after this first one. Again, we had some soil liquefaction that occurred as well. There was an aftershock that occurred that afternoon the same day. That magnitude was believed to be 7.4 for an aftershock. Good Lord. Okay. Uh, so then things settled down. We go about a month later to January 23rd, another earthquake. This one registering between uh, actually about 7.8 magnitude earthquake. So this one was a 7.8. Happened again in the same spot. Witnesses saw the ground warping and actually fissures blowing up. So again, our sand volcano is occurring. Uh, a couple weeks later, February 7th, the third and what they say is the final earthquake occurred. Again, this one was between a 7.4 and 8.6 earthquake. Uh, wow. This one struck New Madrid hard. Uh, and there's actually a museum in New Madrid about this event and all that stuff. Uh, there's still remnants today of the event that happened. Uh, the town was completely destroyed. St. Louis had a major damage happen in their area. Uplift in the ground caused temporary waterfalls to occur on the river. And again, the river flowed backwards on that day on February 7th and probably lasted a day or two. And uh, there was even another 7.0 aftershock that occurred a few hours later. So there's your possible fourth one there. So that was an overview. Again, this is crazy, but let me give you some of the facts real quick. These earthquakes represent the fifth, sixth, and seventh strongest earthquakes in United States history. The main shocks were felt as far away as the Gulf Coast, East Coast, and even into Quebec. 
Mm. The area of strong shaking was approximately 10 times that greater of the 1906 San Francisco earthquake. 10 times greater than the worst earthquake to ever happen in California. A total of four aftershocks occurred uh, that were greater than 6.0 and more than 200 that were under 6.0. And then a total of 1,800 aftershocks occurred for the following three years following that event. 1,800. Turbulence from the water during the time of the earthquake capsized many boats on the river. And this was the first time, kind of a cool little history uh, thing for you. Keep this one for your trivia night. The first ever National Relief Act was passed by Congress in 1815 to help those who had lost property because of the earthquakes. It's the hmm. first ever Relief Act. What so year was that? Uh, so this was 1811, uh, end of 1811, beginning of 1812. Okay. 18? Okay. 1812? 1800. Wow, that's way yep. back then. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about the effects on Quincy. Yes. There were none. Okay. That was a quick conversation. Next. You know, well, know why? Okay. Why not? Oh, because Quincy wasn't existent yet. <laughs> oh, see, you got me there. Yeah. Oh, hook, line, and sinker. 1811, 1812. So even though this was by far the most um, crazy and most uh, dangerous and worst uh, earthquake ever to occur in the central United States, it actually can't go on number one because Quincy wasn't in existence yet. Mm, I see. I see. Yeah. Okay. So I pulled a quick one on you there. Mm, tricky. Tricky you are. You know what that means, though? No. What does that mean? We're down to our last one. Uh, the big numero uno of yeah. shaking. What, what do we got? So uh, this one, I put. I, I would say that most people would not have put this one at the first in the top of the list of any sort of list because obviously you followed up with the craziness of the 1811-1812 earthquakes in New Madrid. I think it would be a pretty easy number one. But this one is crazy because in the evening of July 18th of 1909, a fault in an earthquake happened between Petersburg and Havana, Illinois. And it was somewhere between 4.8 and 5.5 magnitude earthquake. You got that look of confusion. Do you know where Havana, Illinois is at? I do. It's... uh Kind of East northeast. Of Macomb? Northeast yeah. Macomb? Yeah. yeah. So this earthquake was only within was within 75 miles of Quincy. The epicenter was within 75 wow. miles of Quincy. Yeah. This uh, was probably the strongest earthquake ever felt by Quincy out of all of them. Really? Um, yeah. But, uh, but however, they're not totally sure about how strong it actually was because there wasn't really any way to, there was no measurements that were actually done back then. Uh, but the intensity in Petersburg was a 70 and Quincy, the intensity was actually a four. Huh. So pretty crazy. Uh, more than a hundred chimneys were destroyed in Menard County, which is the county to the north west of Springfield and okay. about one home had 20 windows blew out and bricks were pushed out above the door. Even in Hannibal, a few chimneys were destroyed in Hannibal as well because of this earthquake. Yeah. Uh, give you a couple little things. It's kind of interesting. The Quincy daily journal spoke of uh, the concern about two earthquakes happening so close to each other because 1909, this happened in July. Well, if we go back up to that first earthquake we talked about, the Aurora, Illinois tornado, or sorry, the Illinois uh, earthquake happened in May of 1909. So just a few months before that, we had the uh, Aurora uh, earthquake happen. So you had two pretty decent earthquakes that happened within just a span of a few months of each other. So uh, pretty, pretty awkward. There was reports of two distinct shakes that lasted about two seconds each. For this earthquake, <laughs> kind of okay. weird. Only two seconds. Yeah. 
That's quick. Yeah. How can you miss it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the quote says here, awakened uh, those who had retired for the evening. It also rattled dishes and lamps and nearly shook people out of bed. So the 1909 Petersburg, Illinois earthquake, just 75 miles away from Quincy, would rank number one as uh, my most... Uh, Interesting. Note, noteworthy and interesting, huh? That's right. Noteworthy and interesting earthquakes in Quincy. So what do you think of that list, Travis? Anything stick out at you? Uh, you no, know, I mean, I I don't know a lot about earthquakes, to be honest with you. And I think from a Q&A standpoint, I have a few things in the chamber, but we'll wait on that for a minute. Okay. Um, no, all interesting. I think a lot of us here in Quincy don't really put much stock into thinking about earthquakes, but... They could they can happen apparently yeah, yeah. and uh, you know that was what seventy five miles in Havana that's mm-hmm. not far that's not at all know, if, if there why not here yeah. so so scary let's uh, stuff let's give you the highlights real quick couple records for Quincy the strongest ever felt one was the one we just talked about probably somewhere between a four point eight and a five point five just northwest of Springfield that happened in nineteen oh nine the strongest was the number two on our list which was the New Madrid one again between seven point two and eight point two the reason why we say it's not the strongest felt because nobody was living in Quincy at that time and then of course the last one on this list is the most recent which is kind of crazy uh, on December fifth of last year a two point four uh, happened in Moberly, Missouri. So just okay. down the road from us here uh, in Missouri. So um, it happens uh, everywhere. Uh, earthquakes can actually happen anywhere. Uh, but, uh, you know, that one probably wasn't felt by much. So let's wrap things up. Let's talk about the future and let's talk about earthquakes because you know I'm all about giving you the worst case scenario, right? Yeah, we've we've uh, taken two scoops of the scary past <laughs> And Chris is ready with the frightening cherry on top for a potential future disaster. So, so what's our horrific Sunday of terror uh, looking like tonight? You, you have no idea what I'm going to talk about, and that was a perfect lead-in for what I'm getting ready to talk Sometimes about. Sometimes the stars align. Let's talk about the New Madrid Fault. Okay, uh, USGS, which is the United States Geological Survey, has projected the chances of a 7.5 to 8.0 earthquake over the next 50 years is between 7 and 10%. Uh, so, I mean, not horrible, um, not great. Uh, 1 in 10 chance that we're going to see that within the next 50 years. However, 6.0 to a 7.0 in the next 50 years is between 28 and 46%. That jumps up there a lot higher. Yeah. So a six to a seven is practically a one in two chance, and okay. and that's that's not uh, that's nothing to scoff at a magnitude of the six and sevens. You, you know. know, we talked about San Francisco and talking about obviously California with all their earthquakes, but if you actually take a look at New Madrid and the earthquakes in the Midwest, the chances of a devastating earthquake are the same for the Midwest as they are for California. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so let's just talk about what if this new Madrid earthquake happens, okay? According to a 2008 report from the Mid-America Earthquake Center, a 7.7 magnitude earthquake uh, similar in strength to the one in the 1800s would do the following. It would damage about 84,000 buildings and destroy about 37,000. Uh, thousands of bridges would collapse and railways would be destroyed. In Missouri alone, 2,000 schools and 100 fire stations would be damaged, along with 37 hospitals, which would be unoperable. Uh, the total damage would be nearly about $40 billion, and that was with a B. Mm. And the scary part about this one is it's estimated between 15,000 to 20,000 people would be killed, and about 120,000 people would be displaced from their homes. 
Yikes. Yeah. So, and, and one of the things that, if you're not familiar with this, one of the things that's a major concern because you have Memphis and you have St. Louis, you have these big metropolitan areas that would be greatly impacted by a new Madrid earthquake is if you take a look in, in St. Louis and if you've been driving through St. Louis, what are most of the houses made of in the St. Louis area? Do you know? Uh, bricks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bricks don't do well in, in earthquakes. No, bricks are no, not good. No give, huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. They just know one thing, and that's to crumble. Uh, right. So when you have a ton of these brick buildings in these areas, when you get these larger earthquakes, uh, just like what we talked about with that house that had some buckling, that's that's what's going to happen. If you get a large enough one, you know, St. Louis, which is, you know, 1811 was not much of a town. It's probably about the size of Quincy, maybe even smaller back then. Uh, and you have them and Memphis in the same boat, where now they have you know, thousands upon thousands of brick homes, it's not going to be a, not going to be a good thing. You know, this reminds me of the uh, three little pigs in the wolf and uh, total role reversal there that yeah. the, little, the little piggy in the, the stick house might be better off in an he, earthquake situation. Yeah, probably, so. Sticks give a little more than, than, uh, than brick does in those situations for sure. Okay. Well, that's, yeah. uh, that's shocking there. Uh, bricks are pretty much everywhere around these parts. If that's right. Older construction. So yikes. that's right. So we obviously, again, the chances, I don't want to put too much fear in people's minds. There is a chance, but you know, we always want to be prepared for any sort of natural disaster that may occur. So let's talk real quick. I'd, I'd be, uh, would not be doing my job if I didn't give you some, some thoughts to go away with. So, you know, one of the things they suggest is to have an emergency plan. Uh, one of the things I always promote is have a family communication plan. So if something happens, say, this is where we're going to meet, or, you know, this is how we're going to get back together. So make sure that you guys always know where you need to go um, and that goes with the meeting location as well so once you do have a communication also say if we can't get to the house we're going to meet here and so on and so forth okay uh, also it suggests that you have supply kit food and water for several days flashlight and fire extinguisher are always good as well uh, protecting your home make sure that those uh, heavy items that are on bookshelves like uh, they're up to a lower shelf um, you know it doesn't never hurts to protect fridges and water heaters and things like that I know some places with water heaters they actually do secure them to the concrete or to the ground. So it's never a bad idea to do that. And like I said, just make sure to store all those heavy objects on a lower shelf. Uh, when it does happen, a uh, final thing here for you is if it does happen. <laughs> you went straight to win. Not straight to win, no if. Just, just <laughs> imminent doom. Imminent yeah, doom. I, I really switched the, switched the panel on that, didn't I? <laughs> Look, guys. It's gonna hit the fan. All right. <laughs> yeah. Just when, just when it does. It. When it does. Don't don't say we didn't warn you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this is gonna give me some bad mojo. If like we we release this on Tuesday and um, what happens Wednesday? I'm oh, knocking gosh. on this wooden <laughs> yeah part, partially wooden desk. Yeah. Please do. Holy cow. That we may have to take a, a retirement if that happens. <laughs> um. So if it does happen, let's go with that route. If it does happen and you're in a car, just pull over and stop. Don't. don't don't ride it out. I mean, it might be fun taking those waves, uh, but it's, but just stop. Um, if you're in bed, uh, turn face down, cover your head and neck with a pillow. Make sure there's no heavy objects hanging above your bed. Uh, you definitely don't want those falling on you. And if you're outdoors, unlike tornadoes, in this case, stay outdoors. You're going to be safer outdoors than you will be inside the house. Okay. Outdoors, outdoors in the middle of nowhere is your go-to. Okay. And hope hope the ground doesn't crack open. Hope you don't fall into an <laughs> abyss or get destroyed by a sand volcano. <laughs> right. Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's horrific. 
I know. Well, Chris, Chris, I'm afraid there might be two or three people listening who are able to sleep tonight. So if, could you give us any more tidbits that might uh, leave us up, uh, up, you know, nervously? Uh, looking? No, I'm pretty sure I got the nightmare you set. Got, you I got think everybody? we're good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I just know you- if you are laying awake right now in your bed at two in the morning, wishing you hadn't heard this episode, we have an extensive <laughs> library of episodes that might uh, soothe you a little bit on WildQuincy.com. Yeah. Just a yeah. little self promo there, Chris. Get us back on track. What are we talking? No, no, about? no. Uh, great idea. Uh, I know you might have some questions. I do want to give you a preview. I have a ton more. Uh, we're going to go through a question and answer session with some more information about earthquakes. We'll do that on our Patreon side. I do want to give you a little bit of a taste, though. One of those subjects is going to be can animals predict earthquakes oh my there is some surprising evidence to suggest that that may be true okay so we'll be talking about that but before we wrap up travis do you have any questions um i i guess i had a misconception that um i always thought that earthquakes needed to take place near or on a fault line and you're that's not actually not the not, case. You're actually not incorrect. It is okay. a fault line, but uh, if you look, and we'll have a picture on our uh, f- website, their fault lines are everywhere. It's just a matter of how strong they are and, and where they're located. So even that Aurora, Illinois earthquake that was up north, it was along a fault line. The one in uh, uh, the one that was near Havana that was near a fault line. So there's fault lines everywhere. Uh, it's just that they're not always active. Okay, interesting. Yeah. yeah, that was my biggest uh thing that came to mind is just uh, obviously, you know, there's some fault lines that I think I think can be actually visible uh from the surface. Yeah. Um I'm thinking what San Andreas maybe. Yeah. San Andreas um, definitely is. And but uh most I'm guessing most probably can't. Is that yeah. the scenario? One of the cool things in New Madrid, obviously, we talked a lot about that one. One of the neat things we'll have another picture of, so definitely check out our website, is is talking about how New Madrid's a little bit different because there is these faults that are down low. And what happens is that you have this silt and sand that's pressure putting pressure on top of the fault, and that's what actually messes up the New Madrid fault. Okay. It's a little bit different of a setup. It's not where you have a uh, like a, a fault fracture or you have this friction Chasm, between two yeah. faults and, and one of them breaks free. It actually has something to do with pressure being pushed down on the faults that are below. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Gotcha. So it's again, check it out. There's a very cool graphic that we'll have on our website showing that explaining what that means. So definitely check that out. But um, yeah, you've never felt an earthquake, right? Um, not, You know, it's one of those situations where there have been teeny tiny uh, ones in in our recent past, Chris, mm-hmm. and and it's one of those situations where people talk about it, and I think I might have kind of felt one, but it's to the point where everyone starts talking about it, you kind of like start thinking, well, maybe, maybe I did, maybe I it. did, and yeah, yeah, it's kind of cog- cognitive uh, bias, you know, yeah, um, no, but uh, God willing, we we never will <laughs> have to deal with something right. like that, but yeah. Um, all good tips you laid out there and j- great job researching this episode, Thanks. Chris. Lots of great information here. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it wasn't a little, it wasn't too much. Uh, if you get a chance also jump on YouTube and check out some of the videos, especially from like the uh, 2011 Japan earthquake, because there is spots where you can actually see the ground rolling up and down because it's so bad. So, um, it's not, it's like you heard me at the very beginning about that North South shake that, that that's a legitimate thing. That's uh, you can definitely sense that stuff when you have a big enough earthquake. Quake, you'll see it and it's just something that i can only imagine that 
I got to check off my 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 natural disasters bucket yeah, list at some that, point in time. That visual you referenced of the St. Louis Arch is oscillating. Mm-hmm. It's just holy cow. That's yeah. something. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, well, uh, it, it's a lot to take in, a lot to experience, and and uh, I mean, hopefully we never experience something to that magnitude. But if we do, just uh, make sure that uh, you and your family are prepared in case that ever happens. So that is a look at uh, earthquakes in Quincy. We'll be back with more after this on Wild. <laughs> Go to QuincyRaceways.com or MidwestOpenWheel.com. Travis spent some time there in our youth going to Quincy Raceways. You remember those good days? I, I do. I'm a little disappointed, though, because if there was ever a commercial where you'll pay for the whole seat, but you'll only need only. the edge, that was it. <laughs> I, w- I wonder, if there's, is there any trademark on that, you think? I don't, maybe, but I've, I know Rich Kane has said that oh, before gotta on, love, gotta love that. for Quincy Raceways. So, no, that's, boy, yeah. I, was, I, was, I was literally on the edge of my seat listening to it just hoping and waiting but uh, no that was a fun commercial and yes quincy raceways that many fond memories and i always loved the like box of popcorn it was like a box remember that yeah i do i do it was interesting i I was more a hot dog and hot dog or french fries and soda kind of guy yeah no that's true it's it's all good it's all good yeah we spent we, we went there quite often together back in our youth, if I remember right. So, yeah, you, you sit sit on the first couple rows, get some dirt flung on you. It's a, yeah, living yeah, the yeah. dream. So, little dirt in your popcorn makes the world go round, baby. Throw some names out. You got the Mark Burtor, Sam Burtor, um, Matt Rose. That was a good day. So yeah, uh, yeah, loved Quincy Raceways. Actually, had the chance. I, I at one point in time, it wasn't a job, so don't count this on your list. But uh, it's we. In the it was a hobby. Park. In the ball, it's a hobby. Park. Okay, uh, I I did own a modified for a while. I, I well, there's a no, there's bits. a whole other board called hobbies that we'll we'll start because <laughs> yeah. it's very <laughs> robust as well. <laughs> exactly. Maybe not as much as the <laughs> as the jobs, but it's close. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I had I, I got the option. I got the the I've driven around the track, so it was kind of cool. But uh, hey, traps, I want to point this out, and I'm gonna I'm gonna play this for you because um, I love this. Of course, you guys know I was on the radio for many years, and uh, that voice you heard was a former uh, co-worker of mine, and that was uh, Drew Kirby. He's since then gone to California, and I think he's in Wyoming now. Mm-hmm. He actually just took uh, our good friend Doc Holliday's job. Oh, is that, that's uh, right. From Wyoming, yeah. That. That's funny. Yeah, so so he's up there enjoying uh, the life on the on the plains, I guess. But uh, Drew and I are good friends. Uh, we did some ghost hunting together, and I I gave him a call back when I was running afternoons on KJFM, and uh, I said, "Hey, can you produce this for me?" He said. Yeah, so uh, this is something that hasn't seen the light of day in probably seven or eight years, but uh, play it here right now for you. Tuesday is election day, and as this day comes upon us, we hear more and more political ads on the pluses and minuses of candidates running for office. But through all the political mumble-jumble, there is one person out there that can really make a difference. 
So on Tuesday, after you go to the polls and vote, remember Chris Ketter. Chris is there for you weekday afternoons from 3 to 6 on KJFM Eagle 102. Dependable, down-to-earth, a friend. Paid for by Chris Ketters because he knows he's awesome. So, Travis, what do you think? <laughs> that was fun. That was fun. Yeah. It, it was a great lead-up. It was a fun idea and a great execution. Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things where you, you you know you get into election season and all you hear is these stupid commercials all the time running. It's nonstop political ads, and I'm like, you know what? Let's have some fun with yeah, it. Yeah, so, gotta have a little fun there. Yeah. So uh, thanks to Drew, and hopefully he hears this and uh, wish him the best, and hopefully he gets back into this neck of the woods sometime in the future. But uh, yeah, uh, Drew Kirby, fun guy. So all right, uh, so let's move on. Let's get to the next piece of the pie, and that would be. The Golden Pipes. And now, it's time for Words of Wisdom from Adams County. Wisdom, wit, forefathers, foremothers. It's time. You ready for, for this? For all of you. By yes. all of you. So, uh, we talked about this on Patreon. And you brought it up. I don't want to go into too much depth about it, but it's something called synchronicity. Ah, yes. Synchronicity is the kind of uh, basically just a coinc- a series of coincidences in a short span of time. So let me explain to you my synchronicity that happened today. Okay. As I was searching for our great folklore from Adams County uh, by Harry Middleton Hyatt, I was looking through the numbers. And by the way, guys, when we do numbers next time, choose higher numbers. <laughs> go high or go home. Yeah. <laughs> go high because the low numbers are not that great. It's like the Air Force, baby. Aim high. Aim high, right. And I'll remind you guys when we get there. But anyway, I decided to go with a number by Julie Terstrip. And so I picked the number, put my little sticky note in there, and said, all right, we're good to go. Five minutes later, what does Julie do? Uh, I believe she, she emails, emails us. us. Yes, she did. Yes, yes she did. So yes. how crazy is that? Her, her ears must have been burning. She must have had the spidey sense going on and, <laughs> and thought she'd reach out. We appreciate the email. She was actually yeah. uh, throwing out an interesting fact on uh, the Tolton episode. Um, so we yeah. appreciate that greatly. But uh, yeah, so now we're going to not only thank her for that, but we are also going to use her number for uh, folklore. All right, let's County. get into it. What do we got? Is it big? Is it juicy? What, what's going on here? No, it's like six words. Uh, well, you know, less is more sometimes. That's right. But it's 9,038 is the number. And here it is. Spitting on your bait will give you good luck. Words of wisdom from Adams County. Hmm. That's it. <laughs> okay. Spitting on your bait will give you good luck. So the next time you go to Mormons with your bobber and your bell, that's an inside joke too, you can uh, spit on the bait before you throw it out there. Okay. Let's see. You shook your head like you don't know what that inside joke is. I, I, I'll hit me later. I don't want to so hold up the episode. <laughs> Oh, yeah, never mind. You might know that one. It might be somebody else. All right. So there's your <laughs> it's wisdom. It's an inside and joke. I'm just not on the inside, Chris. It sounds <laughs> great. It looks warm and cozy, but I wouldn't know. I'm on the outside looking in, and it's cold out here, Chris. And, and when like I go fishing, warm. I do a little. I'd skip a, a fake worm doing the bass. I don't do the bo- the bobber or the bell. I, I'm a I'm a. I don't. You're you're hardcore. I don't, you're lures. I don't really and, catch and, anything, but it looks like I know what I'm doing. 
<laughs> there you go. All right. Well, we got one last piece of the puzzle to get to, and that is the question of the day. You've been pondering this. You you got the answer. You look confident, Travis. I think you're looking at something else because I have no <laughs> idea what's happening here. <laughs> well, let's remind everybody what the question is, and this is what it is. Greenmount Cemetery has not always been known by that name. What is its original name? Is it Green Mound Cemetery, Kemp Cemetery, Memorial Park, or Powell Cemetery? Travis, your thoughts? I don't think they change it from Green Mound to Green Mound. That seems weird. Okay. Memorial Park's okay. already a cemetery. Hmm. Uh, so what were the other two options again? Kemp Cemetery or Powell Cemetery? Well, I don't, I don't know how. Powell is definitely a local name. Uh, Kemp, not so much that I know of. I'm going to go with Powell. Final answer? Final answer. You would be incorrect. Oh, no. I thought I was on to something. What's the right answer? You were actually way off. I was way Uh, off. Okay. Yeah. Your first initial, that can't be what it is, was what it was. Really? They changed it from, what was it again? Green Mound Cemetery. Green Mound to Green Mount. To Green Mountain. Any, any idea why? You hear any details? Not at all. Boy, uh, if anybody got, knows, let us know. Yeah, let us know. I, I saw that on their website as uh, I was looking at it, and I was like, oh, wow, they were known as Green Mound, and they changed it to Green Mount. So, uh, yeah. And there's some interesting history, actually, on cemeteries. We need to talk about that sometime. That's but a great, yeah, absolutely. That is not why we're going to do it. And I don't even think you know why I chose that as the question today. So let me answer. Or maybe you do. Do you know why I chose Green Mountain? I think I do, but go ahead. I believe that's where the subject of our next podcast's final resting place is. That is correct. And who would that be? Oh, we talk about, we've had a lot of response on the Leo Moncton, the mobster episode. So we're going back to the well, to the next godfather, from what I understand, who Leo passed down the business to, and that is none other than Ted Crowley. Most people, some people are around that still remember Ted. Lots of fodder going on on Facebook on, you grew up in Quincy, Illinois. Uh, Leo wasn't as hands-on as Ted was, so to speak. Ted has a long record of involvement, and he was always around, if not convicted, for a lot of crimes. And uh, definitely a powerful figure. As much as a criminal side, he was also well-loved in the community. And it's it's one of these things you see of these old uh, kind of generational kind of mobster era is almost a Robin Hood mentality. And he led a super interesting life. If you guys know something about Ted, you can still give us an email at wildquincy at gmail.com. Love to hear the personal stories, too. But we're going to give you a rundown of Ted Crowley, who he is or who he was, and just all the legends and lore that surrounded him. It's going to be an exciting episode. I, I joked with Travis before we started that the uh, it's it's funny because they called him in the obituary local businessman, and there should have been an asterisk right next to the reason that it was called a local businessman, but uh, <laughs> we'll leave that for later. I mean, up until 76. Yeah. Up until 76, he was still running his businesses. Oof. Wow. So this is going to be a very interesting episode coming up. We go back into the crime talking about another one. Quick teaser, quick teaser. Year we were born, Chris, 1982. Two shots in the knee of somebody. Oh, no. Crazy. Wow, that current. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Wow. This is going to be an exciting episode. I know you guys love our crime episodes. It's going to be be a good one. It's going to be a... And it's got implications to a 
freaking assassination too. Holy I won't cow, get man. too much on that well, but I mean, just the he's he did it all, Chris. The, he oh, dabbled man. in all the watercolors of crime. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, there was probably some cement boots being made in his days for sure. So, gonna be a fun episode, man. I cannot wait for that one coming up in a couple weeks here on uh, Wild Quincy Love. Of course, our Patreon episode coming up uh, next week. But Travis, before we uh, take off, are we missing anything? Yeah, we're missing some input. You might ask, mm. what's that mean? Well. Here's the thing. Do you hate it when Wild Quincy goes away for a while in between seasons? Yes, you every get, season. You get lonely, you can't sleep, or you can <laughs> sleep at night in some cases, like this episode. There's a thing you can do to keep us rolling, guys. That is to submit your wild files. What's a wild file? Glad you asked. It could be a ghost story. It could be a weird family lore. It could be interesting history and historical item, like something weird you found in your house. So if it's weird, wild, wonderful, and has some kind of a local tie or beyond if it's a historical item, we want to hear about it. All you have to do is either email us uh, at wildquincy at gmail.com. You can also give us a shout on the text text or voice uh, mail at 612-666-9453. And these stories, I've started putting together a list of past input, and we got some good stuff cooking, but our ability to produce these shows on the off-season relies on your guys' ability to get us some stories. So stop what you're doing Give us a, a note. We know there's stories out there, and we can't wait to share them. So give us a, a line, and we'll get these wild files rolling. Looking forward to that. So we're coming up on the midway point of season four already. So just around the corner, we'll have wild files coming your way, and that should be fun. Well, for Travis Hoffman, I am Chris Ketters. You've been listening to Wild Quincy. We'll catch you guys next time. Take care, everybody. Wild Quincy is released every other Tuesday and is produced by Chris Ketters and Travis Hoffman. Sound designed by Downdraft Sound and Editing and music by Travis Hoffman Music. I'm Bo Beecraft, and thanks for listening to Wild Quincy. Wild Quincy.